The Lord expects us to grow. Scripture talks about the fruit of the Spirit, about it possessing certain qualities in increasing measure, that's 2 Peter 2, and being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, 2 Corinthians 3. For quite some time, uh, your shepherds here have wrestled with a couple of questions. Namely, what things do we do here or could do here that would be most effective in helping our church grow spiritually? And are there things that we do that aren't truly effective, use valuable energy and resources, and possibly distract us from the mission? We believe God answered our prayers about those questions several months ago uh, with the spiritual growth book entitled Move, based on several years uh, quest- on several years worth of surveys of a quarter of a million people in a thousand churches to find out what best helped them. We were extremely encouraged to read that spiritual growth is measurable and that there are clear, specific steps that individuals and churches can take to cultivate spiritual growth. In order to learn what we could do better here, we ask you to help by taking their reveal survey. Thank you for helping. We had great participation. Just a few things we learned from this research. First, the most basic concept is that church activity alone is not a long-term catalyst for spiritual growth. We need more than just to show up once a week. Also, vibrant churches expect personal growth, embed Scripture into everything they do, create ownership in the mission, and pastor their community. We want to excel in these as a church. We learned that Christians expect to be challenged, so expect to be challenged in the future. Before Buddy challenges us with what, specifically, we hope to improve upon here, I want to talk about why. Why making the most of every opportunity to grow personally is so important. We aren't trying to grow in order to earn or assure our salvation. My goodness, my actions can't improve upon the power of the cross and its blood. But it's not enough that I'm saved or that my family members are saved or that most of my friends are saved. We all have neighbors, co-workers, and even family members who are deceived, confused, and lost. Paul writes, look not only to our own interest, but to the interest of others. To the Lord, one more of His children are just as important as our loved ones are to us. There's an old saying that says, you may be the only Bible someone reads. Our community and our world needs us to be the most effective representation of Jesus possible. And to be the best ambassador we can be, we need to be growing. To stand up against our enemy and see the lost come to Jesus, we have to be serious in our efforts to mature. The elders want us to be the best church we can be. Not for our benefit, but so that we can equip ourselves 
to take Jesus to one more. As we attempt to improve the church, please remember not just what we're doing to help us grow, but why we do it. Remember the one more. Whatever it is you need to do to grow, I encourage you to take that next step. A lost world needs his church to be Jesus to them. Sharing with us as we uh, get started this morning. Zane has been a great force in uh, leading our elders and leading us to this point. Uh, just he, he read that book, Move, and said, we got to do this. Because so often when you're thinking about church and, and you're wanting to say how we're doing, you, you just sort of have a gut-level feeling. Now we have some real data. There's booklets out there if you want to take one that have the whole reveal survey that have data of what we're doing. So thank you for participating with this. What I want to say as we begin this morning is that healthy families have real discussions. They, they talk about things. They, they share about things. I forget, never forget being in a life group with somebody once, and, and, and one night we got to a topic. I was real close to this friend, and uh, the topic was very applicable to them in their marriage. I knew because the brother talked to me about it, and uh, you could see them both sort of tense up in the conversation and nudge each other. And so we got out of life group, and a couple of days later, I, I saw the brother, and I said, I bet you guys had an interesting conversation on the way home. And he said, we didn't talk about it. And I said, two or three weeks later, I, I know y'all talked about that. No, we don't talk. It was the issue all over the table. It was the elephant in the room. I said to him, brother, Stephanie and I would not even make it to the parking lot and get in our car before we started talking about this issue. Healthy families talk about it. You've got the security, and today, that's exactly what we're going to do. We have a biblical example of this. You, you know those letters to the seven churches in the, the book of Revelation? That They really are reveal studies where they had even the advantage of Jesus walking among them and telling them, here's what you're strong at and here's what you're weak at. I'd like to read uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 7 as we begin, just to give us an example of what we're about to do. The angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles and are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and you've not grown weary. Man, he says, here are the great things about your church. And then here are the things you need to work on. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you do have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And then he encourages them to listen. Whoever has ears, am I going to check today? How many of you got ears? Okay. If you have ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. I love this. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to first of all talk about some of our strengths that were revealed in this survey, and we're going to celebrate those. And then we're going to be honest about our weaknesses. And the majority of the time, I want 
to spend in just challenging the status quo. So stick with me. I hope you'll take notes as we go along. Let me show you a couple of graphs that came out of this study. First of all is the graph of sort of where your church lays and what its title is. We're called a self-motivated church. Obviously, you see on one side is churches with weaker practices. On the other side are better practices. The low part is low spirituality, and the high part is strong spirituality. So if you had to pick a quadrant to be in, we are in the right quadrant. So there's a, there's a lot to celebrate. But our challenge is how do we move from a self-motivated church that's got some issues to a completely vibrant church? That's what we're looking at today. Well, let's talk about some of our strengths. Let me show you another graph that listed a lot of our strengths. You see, the, the purple is well above average. The blue is above average. The, the yellow is just average. And so we're going to look at some of those things together this morning. Celebrate our strengths. Let me tell you five strengths, six strengths actually, that came across very clear in what we've learned. First of all, evangelistic conversations. I was so thrilled by this. A great percentage of you have had six or more conversations about Jesus over the last year with a non-Christian friend. That was well above average. A second thing to celebrate is that our church is good at serving those in need. We, as a church, we were well above average. That if someone comes in here and they have a need, we have a great benevolence you know, uh, ministry. We have great things going on. They're going to be taken care of. As individuals, you are also above average and on your own taking care of people with problems. We rated high on being a compassionate church. That's no surprise to me. And then a third area was in orthodox biblical beliefs. How strong of our people are we in Christian doctrine? And we rated above average in people who understand and believe in the Trinity, who believe in the personal presence of God, and who believe in the authority of Scripture. That's not a surprise being in our movement that we have a high view in this church of Scripture. And then another strength is that we have clear expectations of members. And, and Landmark 101, I think, has a lot to do with that. You don't come in this church without knowing who we are and what we believe, and honestly, what we expect out of members, and you rated us high on that. We also were rated very high a percentage of members in small groups. We were well above the average with 70% of our members participating in small groups. And hopefully this year, we're going we're to push that even further. And then I love this one. There's great harmony in this church. And the credit to this goes to our shepherds who quickly resolve problems and who foster an atmosphere of unity. Now, guys, that is an incredibly encouraging list. And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't deal good with just negativity. If you just come to me and you're negative, I'm probably not going to respond well. But if you can tell me what's going on good and you can do, do some compliments in there, then, man, you, call, you bring the negativity on and we'll deal with it. And so as a church, I'm so excited that we get to celebrate our strengths. And that before we move on to where we may be weak, we can go, you know what? God has truly been good. And God has blessed this church. This church is almost five decades old. And if you knew the history of this church, you would know how many times where this church could have gone the wrong way. And God moved in and has done great work. So I want to stop right here, ask the worship team to come up here, and we're going to sing a song of celebration. The song is a great song of celebration called Blessed Be Your Name. And it's a great 
spot right between our strength and our weakness. Because it says, we're going to bless God when the streams of abundance flow. And we're going to bless God when we even look at some of these desert places. God's doing great things among us. And we need to praise Him and thank Him. Stand up and let's celebrate. God has blessed us, and we want to bless Him for all that He's done. Now we move into the section of things we need to work on. Um, the way we divided this is the things that we need to work on, our weaknesses, are actually areas that we rated average, okay? Um, very few areas did we rate below average. But we had quite a few areas where we were average, and I don't know about you, but I'm not really interested in being a part of an average church. Amen? We were praying about this before first service, and Becky Bagel was praying. She knew what we were doing, and, and she wanted to, to pray. And I, she was looking for the Word, and she said, Lord, we don't want to be a... And it just didn't come to her for a few seconds. And finally she said, we don't want to be a normal church. We want to be abnormal. That's right. And, and guys, we don't want to be normal. We won't want to be average. Now, let me show you a couple of graphs here. Let me show you this picture. And there you see the blue are things who are above average. We've mentioned those. But the yellow is something we're average in, which is personal spiritual practices. Let's go a little bit deeper on that, and let's look at the next graph. And here are some of the things that we rate just barely above average. Reflection on Scripture, prayer to seek guidance, and tithing. Now, one interesting thing we found out in this survey is that our income level as a church is way above average. I think that surprised us. We're at 45% who tithe. Can you imagine what we could do for the kingdom of God if we could all step up? Because the, the, we found out in this survey, the money is here. The question is, are we going to give it? So let's look at some of those areas that we need to be honest about. I love being a part of an honest church. First of all, it was very obvious, personal spiritual disciplines. We do not have a high percentage of our people that are reflecting on Scripture every day. And, and what we want to challenge is for us to grow in that. Spiritual disciplines are those practices like prayer and fasting and Bible study and giving that we need to grow in. Now, please understand this. So many things that we're looking at today are, are not measured by what we do here at church. The church can be a great impetus. It can be a great start. But as Zane mentioned a moment ago, the greatest spiritual growth happens on your own. Second one, and this is bothersome to me, is does the church help me feel like I belong? We were just average there. Despite the fact we had such a high percentage of people in groups, we were average on helps me feel like I belong. And I think that explains one of the reasons we have a pretty wide open back door and, and people, people leave. Because you're not, no matter how much you love certain aspects of the church, if you don't feel like you belong, you're probably not going to hang around very long. So that's something we need to work on. And, and I think it's tied to this next point is satisfaction with small groups. Despite the fact we had 70% of our people involved in small groups, our satisfaction rate of 60% was simply average. And, and guys, let's just be honest, that's the place where people find belonging. And then another place that was a weakness was called pastoring the community, which is a, a sort of odd twist here. Our, our church is rated very high on serving those in need, but we're rated average 
in pastoring the community. Let me define that from the reveal people. Pastoring the community means a strong serving culture widely recognized in the community. Now, I do think there is some explanation to this one. For years and years, this church was on the forefront of a ministry called the Inner City Ministry, and actually called later called Compassion 21. That was our baby, and that's what dozens of you were involved in. But as you probably know, over the last year, that ministry died. There's still some remnants of it in some of the housing projects, but that ministry has basically died. And I believe, and we talked to the people in Reveal, and they said, this makes sense. There's a great void in our church left from that not being a part of who we are. And then here to me is the most disturbing of all of our average, this is actually below average, of people, and not in a good way, people that are spiritually stalled. The survey said 17%, and these are the people who took the survey, 17% of people who took this survey admit that they are spiritually stalled. That was a really high number. And um, that's one we've got to work on. Because you know what that means, guys? If you look across this audience, almost one in five people that you see are stalled spiritually. So that brings us to the last part of our lesson. This is what I want to focus on. How are we going to challenge the status quo? What would really upset me today is not that we have issues. We all know we have issues. And not that we have strengths. We know about those strengths. What would really upset me is if we were okay with the way things are. If seeing some of these last statistics doesn't upset you, then I'm telling you, you're not bought in. And so what we want to do today is we want to challenge the status quo. Because listen to me, guys. Satan is okay with you and I remaining where we are. He's okay with that. He's okay if someone walks and says, you know what, I love Landmark, best church I've ever been a part of, this is such a cool place. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for people who say, you know, I do love Landmark, and this church has blessed me, but man, I want to be a part of a movement. So, how do we challenge the status quo? Here's some things, recommendations that we received. Number one, Scripture needs to permeate everything we do. Everything we do. You know, the original church that did this was sort of a community church in Chicago that was really big on, on, on reaching the lost with drama and video and all kinds of cool stuff. But they were sort of light on Scripture. And when they first took the survey, what they found out is Scripture was one of the top impetuses for someone to grow spiritually. And so they, they just had to repent and go, we're, we're going to start using Scripture in everything we do. And that's my challenge. Whether you're in a small group, or you're in a com- committee meeting, or you're counseling somebody one-on-one, or you're just having a, a fun event for the church. In every event, our goal from now on is that Scripture be incorporated. I think of one of our best events just a couple weeks ago with gridiron. I think it was one of our most spiritual gridirons, and it was great. But I look back now and think, you know what? We could have incorporated Scripture in a stronger way. We had a Scripture on the, the placemat, but we, we, we should have incorporated that stronger in that area. So we want to incorporate Scripture better. Guys, one thing we've worked on really hard the last few years is the Bible class hour that happens at 945. Some of you don't even know what happened. But we have this, y'all can laugh at that. That was supposed to be funny, okay? We, we do have this Bible class hour at 945, and we have worked really, really hard at improving that. 
We have the best slate of teachers and topics and classes I believe we've ever had. And yet our numbers are disturbingly low. A great percentage of you didn't show up for Bible class. Now, i got to commend our Birmingham campus for a moment, and our, our minister from there is with us today, Tim Genry. They did something last Sunday I don't know any church has ever done. They had 100% of their members that were in worship in Bible study. Amen. <laughs> I notice only the ones of you who came to Bible study are applauding. Okay. <laughs> But that, that is unbelievable, guys. And, and we want to challenge you, and not just come into Bible study at church, but in your life, what, what we want to do as a church is we want to model to you a high view of Scripture so that in your life and in your family, you have that same view. And it shows up in those spiritual disciplines that we've been weak in. Now, number two recommendation is mentoring and discipleship. Now, what is mentoring and discipleship? This is being in some focused relationships. This is beyond just being in a life group or an ABC group. This is getting maybe two or three of you together and saying, we're going to hold each other accountable. We're going to study together. We're going to grow together. And and we're going to help each other get further. And we've been working on that one. We had a great equip class this summer about discipleship. Our shepherds are more intentionally mentoring and discipling right now than they ever have. Every one of our ministry staff is asked to have some kind of discipleship group where you are pouring into somebody. Because we know, guys, the best teaching happens the smaller the group. That's why we get you in small groups. But if we want to go beyond that, we get even smaller. It's like if your kid's in trouble at school. The final result is, okay, we can't get this thing right. We better hire a tutor. We need somebody even one-on-one. So... For some of you to get out of this spiritually stalled place, you need to invite some people to pour into your life. I had a dear sister walk forward in first service today. If I mentioned her name, you'd all know her. And she said, in tears, I am spiritually stuck. And the first question I asked her when she met me right here, I said, Linda, do you have any relationship in your life where someone's holding you accountable and challenging you? And she said, No. And we, we, we commissioned the ladies that surrounded her to do something. You see, that's when people begin to really grow. Number three is community service focus. That was sort of our weakness. And we've been doing a lot of things over the last few months to go ahead and try to address that. You know, some of you are still involved with the inner city church that does still exist. Some of you are involved in one of the best ministries, in my estimation, in this city, led by our own Michael Coleman, hope-inspired ministry. We're trying to find more ways for you to serve there. But we've really hit a jackpot, in my estimation, is with a school that's a block away from us. We've been wanting, and you've heard us mention, that we want to invest in our school system. If you were to survey our city today and say, what is the number one felt need, known need in Montgomery, Alabama, we all know what the answer is. It's the public school system. Guys, we want to be a part of the answer. And what we found out is that we are next door to a struggling school. This school has changed dramatically. For years and years, we have gone to the inner city to minister. I want you to know now, the inner city has shown up at our doorsteps. And that's a beautiful thing. 
And we want to find ways that we can minister. Just the other day, Becky Bagwell and Casey Ryan went and met with the principal. They had an amazing meeting. And this principal, she said, you guys, you can adopt us. She, she basically said, you can come in and do most anything you want. I'll give you permission. She actually said this, guys. We can have a halcyon Sunday where we invite all of their teachers, administrators, and students to come to church with us. And what we found out is there's a lot of children that are way below the poverty level. There are children that are spending two and three hours an afternoon on a bus. And there are things that we can do. And what we found out is this is a project that we could employ the whole church on. Today in your bulletin, you see a list of supplies. Some of those are snacks just for these kids that stick on these buses all day. Others are other things they need in the school. There are great big garbage cans in the lobby. Let's fill those to overflowing. Today in your life group lesson, if you pick up your packet today, in that life group lesson, there is a list of all Montgomery Public Schools. And we are asking every life group to go to some school, either in Montgomery or the community you meet in, and have a prayer walk. We're going to be proactive, and we're going to make a difference in this community. Number four area we can improve in is big jobs for members. You know, if we're not careful because we have a large staff, it's really easy to go, well, they'll take care of it, or the elders will take care of it, or these guys will. And to be honest with you, often it's easier just to do it on your own. This is a wonderful quote. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So sometimes if there's something that needs to be done, it's easier for me just to launch out and do it than to say, hey, guys, let's get this life group and let's all do this together. Let's, let's go minister and make a difference. So something we will promise you is that as a church leadership, we are going to do a much better job of handing off ministry and empowering members, and we're not going to micromanage them. We have a great example of this in our church. Part of the number one outreach ministry in our church is RSVP Overcomers. And that has always been headed up, not by anybody on staff, but by two members. We need to do that over and over again. That's one thing that's so important about our, our current search for a connections minister. Because this is one of the greatest things we visualize in connections ministry, is to make sure every member has a big job. So, number five and this sort of puts it all together, is for small groups to lead the way. You, you see, one of our issues is people feeling like they belong. The way people belong is they got skin in the game. They got a job to do. You know, when you got a job to do, it stops saying, well, buddy, that's your church, or that's Landmark Church, or that's the Elder's Church, and you start saying, this is my church, man. Man, I'm, I'm working around here, man. It, it sort of makes me upset when people are too critical. And so what we want to do is get people in these jobs. And we also want the other way to answer that is, is through these small groups and building relationships. But what I want to propose to you today is that both of these things can come together in small groups. Why? Because what we don't want to do is see this list and start a bunch of big church programs that be, they're run by big committees and lots of bureaucracy. That's not going to help us. What we want is our small groups to take on these big jobs. In fact, 
All of these things, Scripture permeating everything, mentoring and discipleship, community surface focus, and big jobs for members happen in small groups. There's not a bigger job in this church than being a small group leader. And, and so I studied a church in Texas years ago. I've never forgot what I learned. If anybody came to the leadership of the church and says, I want to start a new ministry. For instance, if someone came and said, you know, buddy, I want to start a new ministry in this, this housing project. They would say, good, go for it. But here's what we're going to do. You've got to go form a small group. There might be someone here right now. You're not in a small group, but you love this dream about Halcyon School. And you go, you know what? I'm in form a small group, and our biggest mission is going to be how we go and serve that school. And so what they did in this church is you could not start a new ministry unless you started it through a small group. And what they avoided is their members getting worn out by 10,000 things up here. And that's why today we're asking your small group to go and pray over schools. We're asking your small group to become a part of this Halcyon ministry. So, you see these five things. This is sort of our game plan. We're not going to drop this. Now, the question that you might ask is, okay, buddy, that's, that's nice. Appreciate this. Cool. What's Landmark going to do about it? What are the elders going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Can I say something here? You are a landmark. The question right now is what are we going to do about it? I mean, as you look on that list of five things, would you take just a moment to think, where can I become a part of this? Where can I contribute? Where, where, can, where can I step up and make a difference. I'm so thrilled we've got a game plan. And this is what I want to commit to you. On Sunday, January the 6th, we're going to give you a progress report on these five things and how we're doing. We're not going to bring this up and drop it. We're going to work on it. So help us work on it. And here's the challenge that I want to give you as we conclude this lesson, as we look at this survey is that we need every single member of this church to play big. I love that term, play big. My best friend always tells me, buddy, you got to play big. Before I preach, I get a text. Get up there and play big today. Going out of town, play big. And, and, and what that term has come to mean to me is, okay, buddy, you're walking in this situation, be present. You're walking in this situation, think about what God could do. Don't, don't, don't play little. Too many of us guys are playing little. We go to Bible class and we sit there. We go to a small group and we're, we're not committed. We volunteer for a ministry and we don't show up. We're playing little. And God, God wants us to play big. Here's, let me give you an example in my life. I get invited quite often to go speak at churches out of town. And for years and years, normally they, they'll give me a topic I've preached on. And so normally before I leave, I just go back in my files and I can look it up by name and I can pick a sermon out that I've preached before and just go to that church and preach it. And I'll be honest with you, I can do a fairly good job. I can look at, I can look over the sermon in the car on my way and um, step up and go preach that sermon. But now that I've been challenged to play big, I don't do that anymore. Oh, I may grab that file, but I grab it a week early. And I start praying over it. And, and I begin to rewrite the lesson. And I call the minister and I go, what are some needs in your church that I need to, to address that maybe you don't feel comfortable addressing? Because I'm not coming there just for a speaking engagement. I'm coming there to play big.
And I'm telling you, I'm doing a whole lot better job. And what I'm saying to you, what uh, I tell myself that when I'm going out to lunch with somebody, are you just going to go talk football for an hour, or are you going to play big about something about God? I go to my gym to work out, buddy. Are you just going to work out, or are you going you to play big? Are you going to be present? You go into your family. Are we just going to have another night at home, or are we going to play big? And so my challenge to you today is for you and I to begin to play big. Why? Because we are not okay being an average church. We're not okay with just some good things going on. We want to challenge the status quo. And I love what our shepherd Zane reminded us at the beginning. Why would we do this? You say, buddy, I mean, Landmark's a cool place. It's known as a great church. I mean, always new people coming. You've got a one-on-one today with lots of people. I mean, why would you come in here and shake things up? Because I don't think, and I don't think God thinks, that we're living up to who we can be. Guys, we live in a world that's gone crazy. We live in a place where fewer and fewer people are following Jesus Christ. We live in a a day that people say America is a post-Christian nation. And we can sit here in our nice little building and be okay with the status quo, or we can become a part of the solution. And what I want to say to every one of you today, as blunt as I can, this is real talk. Either you are part of the solution or you are part of the problem. If you walk away from this message neutral, thinking, well, I hope they do something about that. Wouldn't that be cool? I'm just going to go do what I always do. No! You're part of the problem. We don't need any more status quo people. We need people who say, you know, this is not about me, not about you. It's not about Landmark being big. It's about Jesus being big. It's about one more person coming to Jesus. And so the, the, the call for us to play big is not for our glory. The call for us to play big is for his glory. So here's what I want to tell you. You're being called by your leadership today to play in the biggest game in life. What we are talking about today is bigger than the Super Bowl, bigger than the World Series, the NBA Finals, and the college playoffs put together, multiplied by a million. This is so big that people's eternal destiny will rest on whether you and I play big. Your destiny may rest on whether you're okay with just being spiritually stalled or not. Some of you today, you're spiritually stalled, and to, in just a moment could be your first step to do something about it. You've just, you just been the same, same level. The truth is you haven't been the same level because you never, you never stay still. Either you're growing in Christ, and that may look a little bit like this, or you're going down. And today's the day for us to say as a people, thank God we are not a normal church. Thank God we are not a status quo people. And it starts with one more person stepping up and saying, I'm going to play big. If you need to step up and say that today to this church, come right now while we stand together and sing.